Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. So you and I cannot go one day without facing this challenge. Not every challenge do we have to face every day. And in fact, sometimes when you hear a teacher or a pastor or any communicator, sometimes there's a level of connect and sometimes there's a level of disconnect. I found myself this week thinking about this mastermind challenge, right? When I think about the, the series that we're, that we're in, I, I think about the challenge that you and I face every day. And today we're talking about this challenge that I think you've probably already faced. Not just today, but yesterday and certainly this week and more than likely, it doesn't matter even what happens today, you're going to face this in the coming weeks. And that's the challenge of comparison. Comparison is a challenge that you and I face every day because it's normal. Because in some sense, we have to. Whether you're in the workplace or you're in middle school or in elementary school, or on the sports field, be it intramural, which may be even worse sometimes than competitive sports, right, (laughs) and in competition, you and I walk into a room and we compare, don't we? From birth, this has been happening and it will continue, right? And I think about even a toddler. A, a, A toddler does what when he comes into a room and he doesn't have a toy and everyone else has one? Hey, I want. It's not just selfishness. It's, hey, they have one. I should have one continues in elementary, and I'm facing this right now with our two sons, and at bedtime, sometimes the, the worries of the day come out, and it's easy to hear statements of about friends and about struggles with friends, and hey, I want more friends, or I don't have any friends, or no one plays with me. I'm like, are you sure no one plays with you, right? And they're like, well, well, yeah, I played, on, I played soccer today, so no one was playing soccer with you, right? I mean, this is this, this comparison of, like, how many friends you have versus how many you don't have. And then introduce social media into the middle school years, or, excuse me, elementary years, we're introduced to social media, depending on if you have a phone or not, right? But middle school, high school, you have social media, you have Facebook, Instagram, when you look at someone else's life and you begin to compare and then into the collegiate years, when, or maybe you're post-high school, you begin to see what, what you're going to do for a living. You look to what someone else is doing for a living. You compare yourself. And then we get married, and it's all over, right? <laughs> then we stop comparing. We actually mature, right? I mean, it ends when you get married, right? No, it doesn't. It just continues. You look to another marriage, and you size it up for better or for worse. And then the cycle actually repeats itself, doesn't it? When does the cycle repeat itself? When we have kids. And it's not that you've passed comparison off to them. It's that there's a new cycle of introducing. And when you compare yourself to other families and their kids, or you compare your kids to their other kids, or, what, or if you have two or more children, right, this is what they do to one another. They're comparing what they have, what they don't have. They even compare themselves based on how you treat them. And you as a parent know this. Now as a understood why my parents treated my brother differently, right? My mom's listening today, right? Online, I'm sure. And so I never understood that. Now I do. Why? Can you help me out, audience? Why did my mom treat me different than my brother? Because we were and because we still are. Yeah, that's just, that's just life, right? But you don't get that as a kid. 
They're different, and so you have to treat them differently. You have to correct them differently. You have to discipline them differently. We're, we are different, and that's why you cannot escape comparison, and you never will escape comparison. But in some ways, comparison can be so very good for us. There's a positive, and then there's a negative side of comparison. But before we get into that, I want to tell you, in the world of like clinical psychology, they call these two different lines of comparison I want you to think about. They call them upward and downward. The upward comparison is very much like it sounds. That's when you look to someone that is maybe in a different social class that's maybe what you would say is a higher social class than you. Or, in other words, you look to someone that you believe is better than or even better off than you. The easy one is someone that makes more money or someone that has a bigger house. So you look to someone that's quote-unquote, and I say that very loosely because it's not often true. And in fact, it's often wrong. So when you look to someone that you believe is in a better place than you, fill in the blank of what that looks like, what that sounds like, or why you feel that way, that's called upward comparison. The opposite of that, downward comparison, is when you and I look to someone that's in a lower social class or that you would say, in other words, because you might not say class, well, I'm in a better class than you. You wouldn't probably say that, but what you would think or feel is that you're actually better off than they are. Now, there is a positive and a negative side to this. What is the positive of upward comparison versus downward comparison? Here's what can happen. Here's the positive effect. Number one, you can use the positive comparison to say um, that you are better off than they, and so it does not lead to pride. It actually leads to what? To being grateful. In fact, you comparing yourself to other people in a positive manner can actually lead to one of the most beautiful qualities that you and I could have, which is humility, which is when you would say something like, I don't deserve this. Or you would say something like, I don't deserve this, and I'm so grateful for. It's not a bad comparison, but you realize today, in fact, one of my prayers when I'm kind of with the family, and we go through a kind of a, a brief time of just, you know, praying for the food, maybe praying for the meal. One of the, the things that I often will say is, God, thank you for this food. Because I realize that so many people around the world, not just around different parts of the world, but in my community and in my town, don't have what I have, so thank you. I don't deserve it, but you've been good to me, and so thank you, right? It can be some upward versus a downward comparison. I'm just grateful. And so by you looking to someone else, you're not in a place of judgment. You're just in a place of saying, wow, this is incredible that I have, even though I feel like I don't deserve. That can also lead a positive response by you doing what with what you have? By giving it away. That's the positive side to say, well, I have more than I need. And you could say, I have more than I deserve. And so I'm going to respond to that by just by giving it away. What about the negative side of upward versus downward comparison? The first one is that you're wrong, right? You and I look to someone else and we compare, but we're often not seeing reality. An overgeneralization, which would not be true, is to assume that someone that is quote-unquote better off or in a better class than you is happier than you. Is that true? Absolutely not, right? I think one person just said, mm-hmm. No, it's not, okay? I'm sorry. I just said that. You're, you're wrong. It's not true. Now, it might be true that they don't have some of the stresses of paying the bills that you do. I get that. I understand that. But we cannot assume that someone that is better off than or someone that we see through a filter, through our perspective, that they're happier than we are. 
They don't have the problems that we have. In fact, the opposite could be true, right? There are millionaires in every single class of life in the sense of there are people that have that make a million dollars a year that are poor. And there are people that don't make very much money on a week-to-week basis that are quote-unquote wealthy. Why? Because of generosity, because of savings, because of being wise, because of not having, they have more money than they have bills, right? So in some ways, there are people out there that make $50,000 a year with more in the banking account than those that make a million a year. It's crazy, but it's true. We cannot assume that someone that looks better or seems better or in a different class is better off than us, nor can we look down and assume the worst. The negative side of this comparison are two things that happen. Number one is your self-esteem. And this is probably the one that we find ourselves in the most, is that when we place ourselves emotionally, mentally, and even physically in a place where we are sometimes saying to ourselves, woe is me, right? Why do I have to be here? Why do I have to struggle? Why is my life this way and theirs is not? Or even in, in, in a worse state than all of those that we sometimes say to ourselves, I don't deserve it. I, or I, maybe you say, I do deserve it. And what can happen as a result of downward comparison versus upward comparison on the negative side of things, we can also become prideful. The negative side of comparison is when you look to someone else and you think they deserve to be poor, right? Well, it's their fault. A quick and easy one is when you look at someone that's less off than you and you think, well, they probably did something to deserve that. It's easy to logically go there in your mind when you see someone that's homeless, even if you don't mean to be mean, right? Or you and I don't mean to, to bring accusations. You may think, well, I wonder what they did to get where they are. They must have made a poor choice, right? Or we can say, you know, I'm not going to give them money because I know what they'll do with it. We wrongly assume someone's state because of comparison. And the negative side of that is we can become prideful. And we can actually think that we deserve it. Right? And we know that we're in a better class because of fill in the blank. So there's a positive side and a negative side to this idea of comparison. But most of us do not find the positive side of comparison the quickest. It's easiest to go to the negative side, to feel bad for yourself, to be in a place of sadness, to be in a place where you say, woe is me, or I deserve this, why am I here? And ultimately we find ourselves in a place of depression And we can find ourselves on a side of even being prideful around it. Solomon, who is the author of the Proverbs in the center of the the Bible, has saying after saying after saying that's wise, that brings us direction, that brings us wisdom. And Solomon knew God. And Solomon spoke on behalf of God. And I'm I'm telling you, it's incredible. in, In the world of being a pastor, and counseling and connecting with people and, and their needs. There's not a day that goes by when I'm having a conversation with someone that I don't think about a proverb that speaks to it. And I, I don't think that you could, not, I don't have these memorized or anything, okay? But I don't think that you, you couldn't bring up any one thing that you're facing that God's word, the Bible, doesn't have something powerful to say about it or to it. In fact, in the world of Christianity, we say that we believe that the scripture is, thank you, I'm going to assume there's a problem, do I need to turn this off? Okay, I'll just turn this off back here. In the world, we 
every single area of our life. In this incredible proverb that I want to read to you today, it's going to be on the screen. It's found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. We'll read this together. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Let me read that again. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. What he's saying to us here is that this envy is when we have in our relationship to someone else around us, we envy what they have. And so by nature, we look and we compare and we say, I wish I could, or I want, or I should, or I need. And what he says, the result of feeling envy in the heart is that it rots the bones. In other words, you could say that what the Bible is literally saying here is that the soul will, will rot away that it will deteriorate, like the inside. And the best thing that you and I can think about today when we think about something rotting away inside of us is your emotions, your mind, your heart, the way that you feel, the way that you see. Envy causes that to happen. Envy causes our soul, our emotions, and our mind, and our heart to tank us, to get us into a place that's full of depression, to get us into a place that's sadness. But he says the opposite of this is that a heart that is at peace, or a heart full of peace, it actually gives life. It gives life. It gives, a, it gives energy. It gives passion to the soul. If we spend our time, which is very easy to do, looking at what we do not have or feeling about what we should have, it will take us to a place that will, it will take away our energy, take away our soul, and ultimately take away our joy. How do we do that? It sounds right, doesn't it? If I showed you that promise, so what do you think about that? You'd say, oh, that sounds good. That's true. But what do we do? How do we get to a place? And I've, I've had feelings and emotions like this often when I think, okay, I, I, I want to be at peace with this. And sometimes being at peace is a little easier than others. When you look at your circumstances and you think about your struggles in and out of the home, in and out of the workplace, finding peace you would say, Pastor, it's kind of hard right now. If I heard your story and you heard the person beside you, you heard their story, you'd probably agree. And often if you were asked to give yourself your own counsel, you'd probably say, I don't know. I don't know what you should do. And maybe I would hear your story and say, I don't know what you should do. But there's something that I pray for you is that you would find peace inside. And that some how in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the confusion, that you could find a place inside of your heart where you can say, I am at peace. How do we do that? How do we do that? The Bible has so much to say about how to free ourselves. And this is what we're going to talk about. I want to share with you three things about how do you free yourself from the envy? How do you free yourself from comparison. Remember I said just a few moments ago, you're going to walk into a restaurant and somehow, some way, something's going to come up in your mind. If you really analyzed your own thoughts, you're going to see this is pretty hard to get away from how we compare, how we size up ourselves, we size up other folks. Like I said, inside and out of the home and inside and out of the workplace, this is something we normally do. But there is a potential for you and I to allow what's natural to be positive and lead us to a place where we're grateful and lead us to a place where we're humbled. The first thing I want to say about how to free yourself is to be at peace with yourself, to be at peace 
with yourself. In some ways, I want to say this, just you be you. When you're not at peace with who you are, it is going to fill your mind all the time to look to someone else and be discontent, right? The Bible has this incredible verse found in Psalm 139 where King David, who loved God and who knew God was a king of God's people, when he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you really did believe like King David, that you were made by God, crafted by God, that there's no one like you. When I say you be you, is because there is no other you. And David said, I realize that I am made fearfully and wonderfully by you, God. Now, the beginning of that is I praise you. Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully made. When's the last time you said, God, I praise you because I'm awesome? I mean, it feels kind of weird to be like, oh, well, I don't, I don't feel like I'm awesome. That's why I find myself in this place. Now, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to, to start thinking a new way. You don't have to believe that you're awesome. The Bible actually says this in another proverb, let someone else praise you, not your own lips, right? If other people praise you, good. If you praise yourself, you might have a problem. But David's not saying, thank you, David, I am awesome. He's saying, thank you, God, that you made me this way. The belief, this is how we change our behavior, is by adjusting our belief. The belief that God made you can change everything about the way you see yourself and the way that you see others. And so be at peace with yourself is an absolute requirement for you to be able to deal with comparison. Because that allows you to walk into the meeting when someone else that you think is smarter than you or, or a better communicator to you, that realizes that that just helps you to say, you know what, I know who I am, and I know that God made me to be. I know who God made me to be. And it doesn't just lead to personal contentment. Ultimately, like we see in Psalm 139, it actually leads to the idea of worshiping God because you realize it's him who made you. There is no other you. No one can do what you do. No one can say the things that you say. No one has the same perspective that you have. There is no other you. When I say you be you, it is because God made you uniquely. The second thing is to be at peace with who they are. Now, who is they? They is who you're struggling with. By the nature of comparison, when we look to someone else and we feel envy, it's often dealing with another person. Being at peace with who you are can lead to being at peace with who they are. So instead of privately behind closed doors or maybe in a text message that no one else reads except for the one you intended to send it to, you don't have to go down the road of complaining about someone else. You don't have to go down the road of wishing that you were someone else or like them, be it positive or negative. You can be at peace with who they are. Why? Because God made them too. If you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, you can also believe that they were fearfully and wonderfully made by God too. It's a belief that realizes and that believes that God is a creator God, that he did not make any mistakes when he made you. He did not make a mistake when 
I know that you might believe this when he made them, right? I mean, he did not make any mistakes. Now, I realize this. We live in a fallen world. And what I mean is you didn't have to teach your kids to do wrong, did you? You have to teach them to do right. We live in a world and we are born into a world that is fallen, that's not perfect. And I realize that you and I want to change things about us. We want to change things about other people. Why? Because we all make poor choices. And the Bible describes sin as thoughts and attitudes and actions that are not pleasing to God. We all have them, and we're all guilty of that sin. Now, I realize there are things you want to change about you, things you'd like to change about other people. But I tell you, at creation, Psalm 139, David believes this, that he was fearfully and wonderfully made, and so he praised God. But David also saw and recognized that other people were created and made by God too. So be at peace with yourself because you realize there's a God who loves you and who made you to be at peace with who they are because you're not them and they're not you. And God made them too. And finally, be at peace with who God is. To be at peace with who God is, is the culmination of this. And that your belief that God is actually in control, your belief that God knows all things and that he sees all things and that nothing slips out of his control, that nothing slips out of his sight, nothing slips out from God's understanding. If you really believe that God is all-knowing and that God sees all things, understands all things, and is sovereign, meaning he is in control over all things. And you realize that this can lead you to a place where when the negative thoughts and the negative attitudes and the negative actions, they come up, and we begin to compare ourselves to other people and, and to other situations, that we can hit pause. We can kind of dial it back and realize, you know what? I know who God made me to be, and that's not it. And I know who God made them to be, and I'm not them. But the belief that God is sovereign and that God is all-knowing and that nothing slips out of his control, nothing slips out of his command, will change the way that you feel. So what happens tomorrow? What happens tomorrow when you enter into the room and the conversation starts? And let's say from a self-awareness standpoint, you realize, all right, I'm comparing myself and this isn't good. What do we do? How do we do that? I want to say a couple of things. Sometimes the comparison that you make, even though it can take you to a bad place emotionally and mentally, is sometimes true. So let's just be real for just a second. Any athletes in the room? Self-proclaimed? All right, no one. Good. That's great. Do you like sports? Have you played a sport recently? I know, okay, we're not just in, in talking about middle school and high school. Come on, you like sports, right? All right, thank you. Somebody likes sports. Thank you. All right, let's say you jump on the basketball court, and you, like me and my uh, two brother-in-laws, they, they played uh, college basketball in upstate New York. And so when I step on the court, I know something to be true. I am not as good as them. That is a fact, okay? And I, don't, I, I might be able to beat them like if I'm like, I don't know, in the pool playing basketball and I throw a few elbows their way or something. But otherwise, if we're playing like real basketball, I will never beat them. And I realize this is March Madness and last night's games were crazy and teams beat you know, other teams that maybe they shouldn't beat on any other day. But some things are just true. I am not a good basketball player. They are better than me. Now, that's normal. You walk on to them and this ain't going to be good. Listen, I might be able to play church basketball, but I can't do this, man. 
I can't play real basketball. No offense to church basketball if you grew up playing church basketball. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying it's different. That's true. And now, now some negative emotions might come out of that. You step on the court and you're like, man, I'm just not very good. You're kind of feeling embarrassed. Normal, right? You kind of feel like maybe I shouldn't play because I'm going to embarrass myself. Maybe, maybe you even like you want everyone to know like I this is this is kind of my my thing. I'm like I'm not a basketball player, and they're like, are you hustling me? Are you really? You're going to lose the first game and then then start showing up? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm really not a basketball player. Okay, pass the ball to me. I will pass it back. Right, if I catch it. Right, and so. Now, so there's hopefully some humility that says, I'm not very good. But there's a negative side of that, too, where we, where we wish that we were better. Right? We wish that we were better. We wish that we were a better athlete. Oh, the negative side of this, too, is that you actually believe that you're good when you're really not good. And everyone knows that you're not that good, but you think you are. Because we're constantly sizing people up, and we size ourselves up. And I'm telling you, this, can, this envy can just can just take our energy, can take our life away, and can lead us to a place of, of depression and darkness. And so there's an honest element of you when you compare yourself to someone else and you say, they're better than me. And that's, can, that can be healthy. But there's also a side of that that can take us to a place where, where we don't want to go mentally. It can take us to a place where we, where we don't want to go socially. And even though it sounds crazy, some of us have a tendency to not even want to be around people that are better than us, right? It's not because they've done anything or said anything wrong. It's because of the way that it makes you feel. In some ways, listen, folks, this is inescapable because whether you're self-aware of the fact, like I'm self-aware that I'm not a great basketball player. I can play. I'll play a little three-on-three, but if you're on my team, you're going to lose, right? Because it's going to be like two-on-three. I'm self-aware of that, but if I let that get me down, it can take me away from being social. It can take me away from being kind. It can take away my joy. As silly as that sounds, all you have to do is watch an intramural sport, right? Or watch some kids out there playing baseball. And let me tell you, it starts at t-ball, doesn't it? Uh-huh. I mean, there's a reason some kids walk away from t-ball and say, I don't want to play anymore. Do you know why? That kid, inside their tiny, beautiful, God help them soul because they're not a professional and maybe mom or dad on the sideline thinks they should be at T-ball. I may have coached T-ball and heard some things behind me that I'm like, did he just say that, right? He's not a pro. He's just learning how to play, right? But even though you can bring every ounce of encouragement to some of those kids that are learning T-ball and they still walk off dejected. Why? They're ashamed that they're not very good. And the truth is, they might not be. And maybe depending on the environment, sometimes the parent pushes, sometimes the parent pulls back. But listen, it starts in the toddler years, and it will go all the way to the grave with you. That we look around, we size ourselves up, and then we size them up. And what happens emotionally is often not good. Sometimes what happens physically is not good. I say physically by what we say verbally, it's not good. How do we deal with this? The belief that I mentioned just a few moments ago, it'll change everything. You were made by God. And what you bring to the table, no one else can. And it might not be basketball, but that doesn't matter. You were made by God. And some of you are wondering, you might even wrestle with that. Okay, I, I believe that, but, but who am I? 
What does that mean for me? What, what, what do I bring to the table? Some of you would like to go in just even a, a self-discovery mode, just saying, okay, yes, I realize that, that I am created and unique and that there's no one else quite like me. The way that I see the world, the way that I think, the way that I feel is different than even, even obviously my children or my spouse or my parents. And I know that I'm unique, but what is that uniqueness? And even as a church, we'd love to come alongside you and help you. That might sound like a five-minute conversation after church. That might sound like a one-on-one time sometime this week or even the next week. But you have a purpose, and it's unique. And you living inside and finding that purpose, finding that place, finding that contribution is what I want for you. So that you don't have to look to someone else and say, that's not me, but I wish it were. Or even on the other negative side of that downward versus upward comparison is, I'm so glad I'm not like them, right? You can figure out who it is that God has made you to be. Find that place and thrive in it. But also the belief, as mentioned just a few moments ago, the belief that God is in control and that he is sovereign and that he made you and that he made them changes your filter. What changes the filter, what doesn't change is the fact that you step on the basketball court and say, I'm not that good, right? Or you step into a presentation and you go, I'm really not as good as they are. Don't know why I was asked to lead this project. And you, you feel these levels of insecurity. There, there could be some truth in it. To, to be honest, I mean, we could sugarcoat it and say, no, you'll be fine. You're smart. You're, you do just as good a job as they do. But in, in actuality, you realize, no, I'm being honest. My capacity is different than theirs, and it's not really me. Well, I would say give it your all and be content with you giving it your all and realizing that you can't do what they can do, but you can do something different than them. And that different can be not necessarily better or worse, but still good. God made you and God made them and you believing that God is in control and that God is sovereign can help us battle this incredibly crazy difficult impossible to escape challenge of comparing yourself to someone else comparing your marriage to someone else comparing your children to someone else comparing your job to someone else's. As we just saw just a few moments ago, I want to read it to you again. A heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Do everything you can, everything you can this week to realize that it is worth every ounce of your effort to find that peace. We can't find it without Jesus. We just sang a few moments ago, kind of that last song is, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. We just kept singing it, and I love how our band led us so well. Thank you for the cross. And it was on that cross that we believe that Jesus died for us. And not only did Jesus die for us and our sins to forgive us, but he rose again. He rose again from the dead. It's in that belief where Jesus rose again from the dead. We believe in the resurrection that Jesus rose again from the dead, offered forgiveness to all, who anyone who would ever ask it. Part of the deficit that Jesus made for us is not just that we're sinners, but realizing that we are not perfect people and that every single one of us, we're on the same playing field. There's no upward or downward comparison when it comes to God. 
I want you to catch that. There's no upward or downward comparison when it comes to God. Is that all of us are on the same playing field. We were all born. We all make mistakes. And we all need a God who loves us and forgives us. And that's what he did by dying on the cross. He didn't do that for, for America, you know, just America. He didn't, he didn't just do that for people in another country. He didn't just do that for those that um, grew up in the church or those that did not grow up in the church. He did it for everyone because he loves us. And that Jesus, by dying on the cross, offered the forgiveness of sin to anyone who would ever ask. And so the playing field is even with God. And all we must do is ask Christ to forgive us of our sins. And we can have a relationship, a relationship with God. And that can lead to a place of peace. That can lead to a place of peace with God. And so it's inescapable. It's normal. It's going to happen. Happened yesterday. Happened probably today already. It may even happen tomorrow as soon as you wake up. But when it does, realize that you are uniquely made by God. So you be you. And realize that they were uniquely made by God. So let them be them. And realize finally that God is in control and that he is sovereign. He did not make a mistake over you or them. And so find that place where you can be you and them can be them. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you are exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.